Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of August 18, 2019. You've probably heard about Ira, the service that uses your iPhone or Android smartphone to connect you with a live agent who can see your surroundings using your phone's camera. The agent can help with many different tasks, such as reading mail, reading screens at the gym, instructions on packages, matching clothes, sorting cans of food, finding a dropped item on the floor, locating a room in an office building, and so much more. At the ACB Conference and Convention in Rochester, New York, at the opening session on Saturday evening, Ira first made public its plans to bring free Ira to everyone. And now, that announcement has been made, and here are some details. You can now make short calls to Ira agents for free, every day, and as many short calls as you want. So, when you're doing those short daily tasks, where a little extra information can save you a lot of time, Ira has you covered. There's no catch either. So long as the call is relatively quick, five minutes or less, it's free. Just make sure you have the latest version of the Ira app on your iPhone or Android smartphone. Sign up for a free Ira account and earn $10 for each ACB affiliate of your choice. You can visit HTTPS colon slash slash ACB dot org slash free dash IRA AIRA dash ACCOUNT. Sign up by August 31, and we hope you'll be sure to choose the Kentucky Council of the Blind as your chosen affiliate. If you're not familiar with IRA, visit Ira, A-I-R-A dot I-O to learn more about the service. You can also download the app directly from the home page. For longer tasks with Ira, choose one of their pay services. The least expensive service is for 30 minutes a month and it's $29.99. But be sure and check out their other services as well. The Office of Vocational Rehabilitation and the Kentucky Office for the Blind merged last October 1 into a combined agency providing rehabilitation services to Kentuckians with disabilities. As part of the merger process, the statewide rehabilitation councils for both agencies had to be abolished and a new council created. That process is finally complete and Governor Bevan has appointed the council members. Representing the blind community are Teresa Thomas from the Bluegrass Council of the Blind, Carla Rushville from the Kentucky Council of the Blind, Kathy Jackson, National Federation of the Blind of Kentucky, and Lynn Florence, Kentucky Blind Vendors. Todd Stevens is also on the council, representing business, industry, and labor. The new council held its first meeting in Lexington this past week, on Monday and Tuesday, August 12 and 13. David Allgood from the Center for Independent Living is the new council chair. Joe Cowan is the vice chair, and Todd Stevens is also serving on the executive committee. Carla Rushville is chair of the Ad Hoc Bylaws Committee, and she is also serving as chair of the Blind Services Committee with Kathy Jackson as vice chair. 
The next meeting of the Council will be on Monday, October 28, at the McDowell Center in Louisville. ACB elected new officers at its conference and convention in Rochester in July. Ray Campbell from Glen Ellen, Illinois, has been ACB secretary since 2013, and because officers are limited to three consecutive terms or six years in the same office, he was ineligible to run again for secretary. Denise Colley, who has served in various capacities in ACB and was currently a director on the ACB board, was elected to be our new secretary. Meet Denise on page 2. The 8th Annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction will be here before you know it. Even though it's hot outside and summer is still with us, it's time to start thinking about the auction and marking the date on your calendar so you don't miss any of the fun. Plan to be listening on Sunday, December 8, beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, as your Kentucky-based auction team once again brings you a bidding frenzy on ACB Radio using the Zoom line. One of the items up for bid each year is a great collection of old-time radio shows, historical clips, and snippets donated by Bill Sparks of Indianapolis, Indiana. Adam Rushevel was the winning bidder on one of those collections a couple of years ago, and he gets you in the mood for this year's auction fun by sharing some radio bloopers on page 3. And on page 4 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. I'm speaking with Denise Colley. She's from Lacey, Washington. And for the last few years, she's been a member of the ACB Board of Directors. Prior to that, she was on the Board of Publications. And prior to that, doing all kinds of other things. And she's been the President of Washington State uh, Council of the Blind and has just recently been elected Secretary of ACB and Denise, a huge congratulations! I think on, <laughs> thank you <laughs> on thank that you. new office um, that you certainly uh, have uh, taken on a big task, and we're real pleased that you're there. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just introduce yourself to us. We know about you know, of course, your council things, and we see you at conventions, but um, tell us about you know your um, growing up and uh, college and work and just um, hobbies, you know, whatever you'd like to tell us to introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. Well, I um, actually grew up in Spokane, Washington. Spokane, for those who don't know, is in eastern Washington, so clear over on the other side of the state. Um, I'm the oldest of six children. Uh, my dad worked for the post office. Um, as a mail clerk, sorting mail, and then he went into doing um, a lot of their um, reviewing of um, different post offices. And my mom worked in payroll and personnel most of my uh, growing up years. Um, I went through public school. Um, I didn't, um, well, actually, let me back up a second. Um, when I was Five. My dad was in the Navy, and we got transferred to Akron, Ohio, where we lived for about a year. And then from there, he got transferred to Olathe, Kansas. And while there was when I was um, ready to uh, enter first grade. And at that particular time, um, they didn't have um, blind children in the public schools back there in Kansas. So 
I went to the School for the Blind in Kansas City for a year and a half. And unfortunately, my first grade year, I think I caught everything there was to catch. I had German measles. I had chicken pox. I had mumps. And as a result, I missed a lot of school and was having issues because um, uh, as a first grader, um, <clears throat> Braille wasn't coming naturally to me at that point. And so um, I remember my dad sitting with me on the bed when I was homesick trying to help me learn to read. And um, it just wasn't coming natural. And so I didn't pass out of first grade. I had to repeat first grade my second year. But about halfway into that year, um, we got transferred back to Spokane. And um, I attended the grade school where um, all of the blind children were being um, mainstreamed into. And they tested me and said, you don't need to be in first grade. Put me in second grade. I spent a half a year in second grade and passed on to third grade. So I ended up in the grade I was supposed to be in in the first place. Oh, that's good. Um, and did, they, did you begin reading Braille then? Pretty good I in did. Second grade? It was like when I when I entered my second year of first grade, it was like all of a sudden the light just turned on, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it just came to me, and I understood it perfectly, and I have been an avid Braille reader and an avid Braille supporter ever since then. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think I can read Braille faster than I can talk. I tell people. Um, I know the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. It's just yeah. weird how all of a sudden it like it all just fell into place. Mm-hmm. So, um, and growing up, um, I I went to school with there were about mm, seven of us who went through the public school system all together, um, blind kids um, from first grade on through to high school graduation. Um, we had a resource room teacher. Um, who was with us all through those years. And um, it was very cool because, I mean, she became like a second mom to all of us, and she saw um, the areas of, you know, where where we were really good. And for me, I loved to sing, and she she saw that I had a talent. So, uh, you know, she really promoted that and got me into um, what was called All City Chorus. It was a chorus for kids. And um, so when I was in junior high, I got to audition and got to sing with that group then through uh, junior high and high school, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we took our math classes with her, and she did the brailing of all of our tests, but the rest of our classes we took in the regular um, classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated from high school in 1990 and um, went, attended my first two years. I attended Whitworth College, which is a private Presbyterian College in um, the Spokane area, Um, and uh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be at the time because um, I had been actively involved in my church and in my church youth group, and that was a very important part of my life, which is why I wanted to attend a a Christian college, but I felt like at the time um, that that kids were only going there because they had to, because their parent, their father was a minister and it was expected of them. I felt like there was a lot of hypocrisy. So <laughs> at the end of my sophomore year, I had decided I probably wasn't going to stay there anyway, and then my rehab counselor told me they couldn't pay for me to go to private school anymore. So I transferred to Eastern Washington University in Cheney, Washington, graduated from there with a degree in social work, 
I don't know what I thought I was going to do with it because I never really went into social work per se, although most of my work history was doing kind of social services kinds of things, human services and human resource kinds of things. Um, and so after I graduated from college in 74, um, my, I became, actually became a VISTA volunteer um, because some doors opened up for me. And I, while I didn't go overseas or anything like that, um, I worked as a VISTA volunteer for the Spokane Parks and Recreation Department. And I was um, the program um, manager for a program called Project Joy. Um, it was a senior citizen performing arts project. We had 16 different performing arts groups. We had a three-piece string trio. We had a, uh, a, like a kitchen band. We had a women's chorus. We had a drama group. We had um, all kinds of things, and my job was to schedule all of their performances. They went out to nursing homes and retirement homes and um, other organization kinds of things and performed, and I got to... Um, I got to, uh, you know, schedule their performances, mm -hmm. and then I got to work on some fundraising activities that they were doing. So that was very cool, and I did that for about a year and a half. And then um, I went to work for what was called Senior Information and Assistance, um, uh, now a program that's funded through the Area Agency on Aging in the, in the Washington area, and I worked with, um, I worked the front desk, I answered the phones when we got phone calls, and I made the determinations. We had several case managers that worked for us, and I made the determination. Did the caller or the senior that they were calling about, were they just needing, um, you know, some basic referral uh, information that I could give them, or did we need to send a case manager out there to work with them, so I did all those those initial assessments. And those and kinds of things. While, are, and then yeah. I went to work for six months for the Multiple Sclerosis Society as a case manager, but I left there because it was just way too hard on me to watch these guys, especially these young 20, 21, 22-year-old guys who were very active in sports and in college activities, all of a sudden be diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and oh, um, it just broke my heart so I didn't stay there <laughs> after the six months. Yeah there's some things uh, you just can't do. Yeah <clears throat> it was uh, yeah. it just made me cry you know right. every time I would meet somebody new who had it and um, Spokane is a high risk area for MS because of the oh. climate there and um and the amount of rain and stuff like that that, really? that we were getting. So we had a we had quite a lot of, of clients. Now, what uh, does so the I'm what does the client I mean, what does the climate have to do with with the MS? Well, apparently, um, from the way I understand it, if you're in a if you're in a wetter climate and mm -hmm. a colder climate, you tend there there seems to be something about that climate that just makes the um, makes you more more susceptible to and more likely to contract um, elements of the disease, which then really? can um, can either uh, you know remain pretty dormant, or and you can remain in remission, or it it can you know um, it can manifest itself in more serious um, 
situations with MS and that when you go into remission, each time you come back out, the disease has progressed a little more and you're experiencing more symptoms than you were, you know, prior to going into remission. So, you know, I stayed working in the field of aging and and thought that, you know, that was probably going to be, you know, what I was going to end up doing was working in that field and, and, you know, the whole gerontology field. And I um, got involved with what was in the United uh, our National Federation of the Blind of Washington in 1975 in Spokane and joined, and I was in the organization in the chapter a month and got elected chapter president, and <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of been the story of my life. Yes. Um, but it was through um, NFBW that um, I first met my husband, Burl, and um, he was married to his first wife at that time, and he was state treasurer, and of course I was just a local chapter president, and one didn't associate with the other. <laughs> um, and but so we knew each other, and um, like I remember the the convention in um, Los Angeles in 1976, uh, we took a charter bus from Washington and picked up the people in Oregon and drove to L.A. and um, you know, so I got to know him a little bit better on the bus and stuff. And then he moved to Spokane in 1978 to become director of the what was then the Client Assistance Project for Washington and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was um, chapter president at that point, and the convention was going to the state convention was going to be in Washington or in Spokane. So we got to work on the convention together, and that's kind of how we got together. And um, didn't it got engaged in um, November of '79 um, because I then had been elected state pre- uh, state uh, secretary, and he was still the tre- state treasurer. So you know we worked together a lot more on on national stuff or state stuff, and um, had been to a couple of conventions. And we got married in 1980 in October of '80. And I always knew he had been living in Olympia, and which is the state capital, and I always knew we'd end up back there because he was very history-oriented and he loved um, the whole state history and everything. And come to find out that um, after his three years with the Client Assistance Project ended and they didn't renew the project, uh, he ended up, he'd been in data processing, and so he got another, he got a job back in data processing, back in Olympia. So that's what oh. brought us back to the Lacey area where we've been ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through rehab at that point um, because, of course, I didn't have a job. And um, my first job back here was with the Department of Services for the Blind, um, which is our state rehab agency, and it was kind of a uh, crummy way to get a job. But the rehab teacher for this area had passed away of a heart attack. Oh, my. And they needed somebody to fill the job on an emergency fill. Mm-hmm. So my counselor and I sat down and tried to write up my resume in a way that we could incorporate what was going to be required in terms of volunteer hours and work hours and all the things that you have to do mm-hmm. to um, get um, to, to qualify. And we did that. And... I took the job on an emergency field, didn't know a thing about doing rehab teaching. It was kind of <laughs> interesting. I got to learn as I went along. I'll bet. Um, 
And I was only supposed to do that for nine months, and they kept finding funding to keep me on. And um, so I was a rehab teacher, and then I got on the state register and passed the test, the rehab teacher test. And so um, then I was there permanently and did that for a couple years. And then um, a position as a rehab counselor opened up in the Pierce County area, and so which is about 30, 35 miles from where I was living. So um, I took the, ta- the state test and passed and qualified and got on the register and was hired and then did that then for about the la- next five years. And so um, I worked for Department of Services for the Blind essentially from 2085 to 1992. And um, Nin- last year, yeah. I kind of burned out. I 1985 think. to 1992. Yeah, yeah, 1985 to 1992. Mm-hmm. I left there because I was kind of burned out, and um, I really didn't. The job had changed, and they were wanting a lot more, you know, requiring a lot more paperwork and all this kind of stuff. So, Denise, um, I used to, uh, I, many years ago, in another life, I spent two years as a vocational rehab counselor with a multi with a severe disabilities cross disabilities mm-hmm. caseload, and I will tell you, <clears throat> that was a fate worse than death. Yeah, it it takes a lot it's, out of you. It's a thankless it is. job in a Very lot of thankless. cases. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I can, I'm amazed <laughs> that you stayed seven years. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was interesting because I left and I wasn't even looking for a job. I thought oh, I'm just going to rest for a while, and it was like about a month later, and my and DSB let me come back as a client because mm-hmm. of the circumstances of my leaving, and um, I. My counselor called me and said, there is a part-time <clears throat> opening with what was in the Higher Education Coordinating Board. They had gotten some funding to, to, ha- uh, to hire a, what they called a, uh, I, I was essentially the program um, liaison between the, the Coordinating Board, which is a policy-setting board, and the Disabled Student Services offices for the colleges around the state. Mm-hmm. And so um, I interviewed, and I, I wasn't real serious about it at the time because I didn't care if I got the job or not. I just thought, eh, I'll go interview, what the heck. And then they called me. I didn't hear anything, and I didn't hear anything. And then they called me back for a second interview, and I thought, oh, I guess I better get more serious about this. <laughs> so I went and interviewed um, for a second time, and there, they were interviewing two of us, and I happened to know the other person who they were interviewing, and I was pretty sure I was going to get the job. And I did, and I was only supposed to be there 18 months, and it was supposed to be part-time. And um, it was really kind of fun working with the DSS, DS, DSS coordinators and seeing how um, the programs at all the different colleges worked and how the four-year colleges were different from the th- two-year colleges. Um, but it was a whole different environment. The whole academia environment was totally new and totally strange and totally different and you know uh, I tell you it was a that was a real learning curve <laughs> well while I was there um, Washington had started a um, project out of our um, governor's office uh, an ADA project we had an ADA coordinator and we had an ADA project and we had um, people who were doing ADA training um, out in the, you know, doing regular ADA training, and then they wanted somebody to do ADA training for the colleges. 
And so I got asked if I would be willing to do that on a part-time basis. So, um, uh, you know, and I had been learning about the ADA um, as I went along, so I got to do training, and that was really fun. And I discovered that training was a thing I really liked doing. Um, I just loved being out there and trying to help people, um, you know, understand what the law was, what it said, what it required. I also did some training on our Washington state law against discrimination, and I just really enjoyed it. And so um, our our governor's committee on disability issues and employment had the contract for Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Alaska um, ADA technical assistance project. And so the person that had been managing the day-to-day um, management of that project left to go to work for Department of Justice, and um, so her position opened up, and I applied, and I got it. I was very excited. And so I managed that project to the next. There were three years left in that grant cycle, and then we got one more grant cycle. So I got to manage that project. I managed the Technical Assistance Center. I managed the four um, states, and um, I did a lot of training, and I did a lot of technical assistance kind of things and loved that job thoroughly. I was really sad to see when we didn't get the grant the next time Oregon got it instead. And they had, of course, their own people, and I didn't want to move to Oregon. So um, that was really, for me, the greatest job. And then I stayed with the governor's committee after that job ended and worked primarily um, coordinating with our um, work source centers um, in trying to make them more accessible to uh, people with disabilities who were job seekers and looking for employment because our, res- our, our um, job service centers weren't always the most accessible, both in terms of physically and in terms of programmatically. So I primarily did that until I decided to retire in um, July of 2010. Burl had been retired since uh, the end of June of 2003, so I thought it's time. Um, I kind of went out early, but that was okay. I retired and um, just enjoyed, um, you know, being home for a while. Um, I've always been really active. We got involved in a church shortly after we moved to Olympia in uh, 82. And um, so I was actively involved in my church, and I served on my church board for six years. And now I'm back on my church board again after a hiatus. Um, so I've done that, and then um, we moved into a um, continual care uh, retirement community in 2013, and so I am now living here and involved with, they have a chorus that I sing in, which is a really good chorus. I was very surprised. We do two concerts a year, one in the spring and one at Christmas, and um, I'm on the their library board. Um, and I would say the other thing that I think I'm really most proud of is that I um, was on all three of our state um, organization boards. I was on the, our state re- rehab council um, for about nine years and served as its chair for four. I was on our um, Washington State School for the Blind Board of Directors and was its chair for two years, and I was on the 
Washington Talking Book and Braille Library Patron Advisory Council and was its chair for um, two years. And so I think I am the only person in Washington who actually was on and chaired all three of our um, agency boards. And that's something that just has made me always really proud. I really felt like that was quite an accomplishment. And now I am back again for the second time as state president. Um, uh, and so I've done that for the past, I'll be completing my first term. Um, and um, don't probably won't be running for a second term because um, we do have someone else who's willing to step in, up and run. And, and being um, ACB really, secretary will take a lot of the time. Yes, ACB yes. secretary will take. Well, and, and I, you know, that was when I thought long and hard about whether I wanted to run. I knew that um, it was really something I wanted to do. I mean, I, I've worked, kind of worked my way up. Um, but I, my heart right now is with ACB, and um, I have had some wonderful opportunities with ACB, starting out with being on the Board of Publications. and then having the opportunity to chair that board for a couple of years, um, being on the um, ACB board, and knowing that I have always believed that every experience I had was the stepping stone to the next thing I was going to do, and that nothing that I did was, was at all a waste because what I learned from it always seemed to open the door to the next level. And I sort of felt like that with ACB, too, in that, you know, I got to go from the BOP to the board and now as a, a, an officer, which, and I'm very excited about, you know, our board and, and the officer corps and, and where ACB is in, um, you know, in its, its work and in its walk. Um, and I, I am also and will continue to chair the ACB Scholarship Committee because that's really where my love is. Um, I was chair of our state scholarship committee for several years and was very excited when I um, came over and uh, came on the ACB scholarship committee and then worked my way up to chairing that committee. And so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Denise, um, wasn't it Denver, uh, 1990, when ACB of Washington, um, I think it was called ACB of Washington, then came in, I don't know if it came in as Washington Council of the Blind, but when, when you all, um, the existing it, ACB affiliate and the, yes, uh, the XNFB we, affiliate merged and came in, wasn't that yeah, Denver? We, we, it was in, in 1990. Mm -hmm. We had, uh, we had actually, we had a group, um, a small group of uh, individuals who were the Washington Council of the Blind, um, even prior to that time, and um, the those of us who were <laughs> members of Na National Federation of the Blind of Washington, we were one of the groups that got tossed out back in 1979. Mm -hmm. And um, so we then decided we didn't want to really join anything, and we just kind of stayed um, a, just a state organization. We became the United Blind of Washington State. And All right, yeah. Yeah, and yes. Gerwood McDaniel came out and really, really wanted to work with us, met with our officers and stuff a couple of times, and we finally decided in 1989 that we would merge the two groups together and become the Washington Council of the Blind, and that was the group that you know now exists in Washington State. We've got about 450 members. Um, we do have, uh, you know, we uh, the National Federation of the Blind of Washington, then there were still some individuals who stayed with that organization, and they reformed. 
and um, they are a smaller organization in Washington. But we can honestly say that we work pretty well. With the two organizations work pretty well together in Washington. So it's um, it's yeah. funny how there are certain things that you remember, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of where you were and what you were doing when things happened, and and there were a number of of organizations that were in that group in 1979, mm -hmm. and some of them came in, you know, sooner, and I think you all were like the last. Um, or whatever that group, but uh -huh. I remember, um, kind of just I was I was, you know, the first time I guess you all were called in the roll call, and I was standing. <laughs> it's one of those moments. I don't know. You know, you just remember, uh, and I remember I was just standing inside the door in the ballroom, and I just come in, and the roll call was going on, and you all got called, and it was just one of those moments that you mm -hmm. remember because here's a group that you know, really, really paid attention to what it was doing and and was there because it had taken the time to really figure out that that's where it wanted to be. And, exactly. and it was just a wonderful, it, it was really, for me, it, it was really a big deal. Exactly. And I can't, I can't really tell you, I mean, there were lots of, uh, in all the years, I've been seeing a lot of groups, you know, join and mm -hmm. things like that. But that was a big deal when Washington joined. At least for me, so it was good. So, um, well, so do you have any um, any hobbies or things that you like to do other than <laughs> projects and council work and the Washington Council? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I'm an avid reader. I love mm -hmm. to read. I love I love reading mysteries. Mm -hmm. um, I've decided there must be something really wrong with me because um, <laughs> I love reading murder mysteries and I love watching the ID channel and forensic files and those kinds <laughs> of things on television. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. Um, I, um, I'm a doll collector. I collect porcelain dolls. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably have about 40 of them now, mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of fun. Um, I um, we, we love to travel, although... We are not getting to do as much of that anymore um, mm -hmm. with Burl's health being what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but we have thoroughly enjoyed all of the traveling that we've gotten to do and cruising. Um, we love to cruise. We've probably done about 15 cruises now. Oh. Um, but Where's your favorite place to go? Hawaii. We really? Did a, we did a Hawaiian cruise um, about five, six years ago, and we would really love to do it again. That was our longest cruise. It was a 16-day uh, uh, cruise, and we were, on the, we were on Celebrity. We had an absolutely wonderful time. Oh, We'd love to do sounds, that one again. Sounds wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today and to tell us about your background and your careers and many different careers and and your interests. And again, I'm just so pleased that you're ACB secretary. I know you're going to do a great job. And, mm -hmm. um, and just super congratulations. Great. Well, thank you so much. And as I said in my acceptance speech, I just have, through that whole process, I just felt so supported. And, you know, people would say, yes, you should run. You will be great. And, um, yeah, it, it was a... It was just been a uh, it was a great experience going through the whole, you know, all the caucuses and everything, and just all the support that I was getting makes it just makes you feel proud to be a part of this this wonderful organization. Yes, it does. Well, 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Page three. This recording is a collection of unintended indiscretions before microphone and camera. It is intended as a sympathetic tribute to the members of the radio and television industry who have been the victims of these classic boners. We turn back the clock to the early pioneer days of radio to what is considered the granddaddy of all fluffs. Harry Von Zell, veteran announcer, was introducing the chief executive to millions of radio listeners who awaited this important address. Let's listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, Hubert Heber. Announcers are human, too. And some of them, despite their professional training, can lose their perspective. August, for the best, best bread and rolls. <laughs> oh, good luck. And when you go into the store tomorrow, ask for August Brothers. For the best, best bread and rolls. <laughs> you have ever tasted. I knew that had to happen one night, friends. We'll switch you to the 16th tee, where we'll show you in slow motion Arnold Palmer, U.S. Opium Champion. I blew it. The rumor that the president would veto the bill is reported to have come from a high white horse souse. Here is an incident that happened at the expense of an unwitting and innocent contestant. And now before I ask you our first question, what do you do for a living, my good lady? I'm a maid and I take care of a large family. Uh, how large your family? Four boys, three girls, one adult and one adulteress. This is KTIW, Texas City. Uh, Texas City. Children on radio and television are unpredictable at best. Listen to what happened when a little child was asked, How did your parents meet? They met when they were roommates in college. <laughs> the floodwaters in Connecticut are receding. All train service has been reestablished. The good weather news for tomorrow is clearing and fair. And here in the metropolitan area, all ferries are operating normally. Listen now to this classic moment from an audience participation program. Mrs. Pruitt from Texas, excuse me a moment, ma'am, while I make contact with Mrs. Louise Jacobs in Detroit, Michigan. Hello, Mrs. Louise Jacobs. Hello there. How are you, Louise? Fine, thank you. Well, I'm happy to hear that, Louise. How's everything in the Motor City? Oh, everything's all right. Good. Does your husband work in the automobile industry? He's working in a machine shop. He is? And what does he do in a machine shop? He's a toolmaker. Uh, how long have you folks been married? Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. Yes. That's a mighty, mighty long time. Do you have any uh, uh, children? Nine. Nine? <laughs> Ma'am, your husband's not a toolmaker. He's a producer. <laughs> Congratulations. 
That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And how did you meet your husband? I met him at the box social. At a box social? Yes. What sort of a box social? Oh, church box. Oh, oh, you mean where everybody brings box lunches? Yes. And then they bid. I, that's an old, real old-fashioned custom. The yes. girl brings the box and the man bids on it. Is that the idea? Yes. And what, what did he pay for your, uh, your little uh, <laughs> package that you broke? <laughs> Several years ago, on the Lux Radio Theater, presided over by Cecil B. DeMille, there occurred what is probably one of the most talked-about incidents in radio history. So come back several years with us and listen to this closing announcement as it was made by actor Joseph Cotton. Tune in next week when your Lux Radio Theater presents the rollicking comedy success, The Major and the Minor, starring lovely Joan Fontaine and Hollywood's newest sensation, that new talented personality... Sunny Here's a bargain you can't possibly piss up, pass up. Boy, I re- really blew it up that time. A very gracious and popular television star got herself into this amusing tangle. I know that I was asked to accept this award for Senator Kefauver as a housewife, because I think that that's what... Senator Kefauver did more than anything else in bringing the Senate Crime Investigating Committee into the home, into the kitchen, and giving us all an idea of what was happening right here in New York City. And I know that luckily I was sick the first day of the hearings, so I spent uh, three days in bed enjoying Rudy Halley. I got to know his every move so very well. <laughs> no. Wait, wait a minute. But no, what I meant to say is that I missed... <laughs> I really... You know what I mean. It's low overhead that does it. So always shop at Robert Hall where prices are high and quality is low. All right, all right. And now for our next contestant. What is your name, sir? Jack Friedman. Will you step a little closer to the microphone, please? Well, what's the name again? Jack Friedman. Thank you, Mr. Friedman. And where are you from? From Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. Well, welcome to Sense or Nonsense. Now, you have chosen for your category the sense of sound, right? Yes. Now, you know how we play. We're going to give you certain sounds to identify. And now, here is your first question. For $10, what is this sound? Now, listen carefully. Now, what is it? Well, that's very familiar. Very come on, familiar. come on. You've got ten seconds. You've got ten familiar. seconds. I'm sure you know. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's... All right. That's Big Ben and Westchester A.B.
for my next selection, I'd like to do a medley of old Stephen Foster's favorites. Among them will be Jeannie with the Light Brown Hair, My Old Kentucky Home, and My Asses in the Dark, Dark Ground. <laughs> you stupid idiot, it's not my ass, it's masses in the cold, cold ground. Oh. And in the world of sports, Yogi Berra, a great Yankee catcher, was accidentally hit in the head by a pitch ball. Yogi was taken to the Fordham Hospital for x-rays of the head. The x-rays showed nothing. On a Man in the Street interview program, a young lady was asked the reason why she was in New York City. Let's listen to her classic answer. I'm getting married next week, and I'm getting my torso ready. Several years ago, David Ross, Dean of Radio Announcers and Diction Award winner many times, introduced the Latin American troubadour Tito Gazar in this fashion. Let's turn back the clock and hear this classic moment. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Tito Guitar and his Gazar. Some bloopers are made by sound effects departments. Let's listen to a well-known dramatic show as they perform the story of Stanley and Livingston and see what can happen when sound effects go amiss. Beyond the headwaters of the Nile, Stanley continued his search for Livingston. Dense jungle growth and the ever-present danger that set sea fly made the journey more hazardous. Supplies were getting low. The natives have almost reached the breaking point when suddenly in the distance they heard the sounds of a village. And here's some news of local interest. Our neighbors over in Columbia, Tennessee, the largest outdoor mule market in the world, held a jackass parade yesterday headed by the governor. Steve Allen, one of television's best-known performers, makes a practice of conducting ad-lib interviews with people in his studio audience. On one of his late evening programs, he chatted with a woman and awarded her a large salami as a prize. Oh, my goodness, Steve. That's almost as big as my husband's. <laughs> I mean, as big as my husband. Page four, the Sound Prince calendar. On August 19, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its board meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at 669-900-6833, intercode 3572-595-193. On August 22, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next in-person support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville. This is a great activity for those who are experiencing vision loss or who have had vision loss for several years at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. For more information on our low vision activities, call us at 502-895-4598. On August 23, GLCB will have another roundabout Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5. The Tip Sheet, from 5 to 5.30. Page Turners, where you share a good book, 5.30 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7. And KCB Next Generation activities at 7 o'clock, as well as Word Games. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 State Street in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. August 24 is Bards and Storytellers, Blind Faith, 
1 to 3 p.m. at the American Printing House Museum. Blind Faith follows David, a successful business executive, as he struggles to come to terms with the loss of his vision. In particular, it focuses on the relationship between David and his daughter Anna, how it changes, how they change, what it's like to be a parent who is blind, and what it's like to have a blind father. Filmmaker Isabel Hill will introduce the film and moderate the post-film discussion. The event is free, but registration is required. Best for adults and older children. For more information, call 502-899-2213. August 24 is the ACB Next Generation Saturday Night Live Hangout at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. ACB members and individuals under the age of 40 from across the country are invited to join this nationwide Saturday night chat focusing on a particular topic. For more information, call Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. The number for the chat is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On August 25, ACB Families will hold its support group meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. August 26 is the next meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana. This is also a statewide conference call at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On August 26, the Savvy Budget Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Central Time on the line at 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595193. August 27 is the ACB Next Generation Nationwide Organizational Development Committee Conference Call. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone, the number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On August 28, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its next peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. in Lexington, Kentucky. 1093 South Broadway is their address. For more information, call... BCB at 859-259-1834. On August 30, GLCB will have its last roundabout of the month. There will be education and technology from 3.30 to 5, discussion time 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, and games and other activities from 7 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. Looking ahead to September, on September 1, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Committees will meet. 7 p.m. is the Advocacy Committee, and 8 p.m. is the Education, Activities, and Technology Committee. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On September 2, the Savvy Program Committee will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time, at the Zoom line 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595-193. On September 3, 
the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a support group meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is a call for individuals statewide who are experiencing low vision. You're encouraged to come and ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On September 5, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This is an excellent opportunity for blind lions across the country to share ideas about how to become more involved in their local clubs. The number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. On September 6, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its quarterly fall meeting. This will replace the roundabout meeting for that day. Activities will begin with a few roundabout. The evening will begin with a few roundabout activities at 3.30. The bargain table and sign-in will begin at 4.30. Program will start around 5.15 with dinner at 6 and business meeting to follow. Dinner is $6 per person. All activities will conclude by 8.30 p.m., so make return rides around quarter to 9 or 9 o'clock at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. On September 8, KCB Next Generation will have a meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the regular statewide monthly chapter meeting for visually impaired Kentuckians 40 and under. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On September 8, ACB families will hold a meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This will be a combined business meeting and program. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On September 10, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will have a picnic from noon to 2.30 p.m. Central Time. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. On September 10, the Savvy Board will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. Other important dates that are coming up include the Kentucky Council of the Blind Statewide Convention, November 15 and 16 in Louisville. The hotel will be the Ramada Inn. Room rates are 79 a night. You can make reservations by calling 502-897-5101. And the meetings and all conference activities will be held at United Crescent Hill Ministries. KCB will be providing Uber and Lyft transportation between the Ramada and UCHM upon request. On Saturday, December 7, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind and other chapters in the area will hold our all-council Christmas party. The time and specific activities will be announced in a coming sound prints. 
And then on December 8 will be the annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction. Lots of bidding, fun, and surprises, and a chance to hear from people all across the country. It will be broadcasting from the Radio Storm through ACB Radio. Plan to listen now from 6 p.m. Eastern until all items are sold. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.